It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. A.J. Terrell has earned a contract extension, but the Falcons might hesitate to pay it if the price ain't right. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And if you do not know me, I'm your very humble host. Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. And of course, I've been covering the Falcons for far too long, formerly at Falcfans.com, R.I.P., still going strong on this illustrious podcast. And I appreciate each and every one of you that is an everydayer and make sure to become an everydayer. All you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available as your first listen or first watch of the day. In today's episode, we are continuing our positional breakdowns of each defense of play, talking about the cornerbacks. We'll look ahead to the offseason to see if the Falcons are going to be able to upgrade their quarterback play by addressing one of the two main issues that they're going to have to deal with, which is the first one being, do they pay A.J. Terrell and do they stop the revolving door in terms of who's going to start opposite A.J. Terrell at that outside cornerback spot? And we'll talk about the Falcons paying A.J. Terrell uh, starting off, right? You know, given it's about to be year five for A.J. Terrell after he got that fifth year option two off seasons ago. Right. And we saw Chris Lindstrom going into his fifth year last offseason, get his big extension. So the time might be right for paying A.J. Terrell. Right. He's due. But the question is, should the Falcons pay A.J. Terrell this offseason? I think the answer is yes, but it kind of depends on the price tag. Right. You may recall the episode we did with Josh Kendall of The Athletic last year after the Falcons paid Lindstrom and asked him, is A.J. Terrell next? And he said he didn't think the team was there yet. And hopefully we'll have Josh on the podcast soon enough and we can revisit that topic. 
But I can certainly understand why people may be a little more hesitant to give that big contract extension to AJ Terrell this offseason, given the perception that he's coming off a bad year. Now, I don't think he is coming off a bad year, but there were some struggles this past year, right? In charting the defense myself, you know, I think it basically boils down to he gave up too many explosive plays this year. I counted 11 uh, receptions of 20 or more yards allowed by AJ Terrell this year. Now, he had more in his rookie season when he had 13 of those plays. But you look at the last two seasons in 2021 and 2022 combined, he only gave up 11 explosive plays in those two years combined. So as many as the last two seasons combined. Now, in all three years, 21, 22, and 23, he gave up only three of those explosive plays in man coverage, but eight this past year came in zone. And a bunch of those were uh, touchdowns. And that's why the perception is that, you know, cornerbacks get beat. And when you get beat like A.J. Terrell did on a couple of those plays, uh, it sticks in your mind, right? Now, a couple of them, you know, he did give up a fourth touchdown in zone coverage this year on an 18-yarder to A.T. Perry. Uh, in that week 18 matchup where Perry was able to use his size to kind of box him out on a back shoulder fade. And that was kind of the through line with a lot of the, the, the explosive touchdowns that AJ gave up this year, right? Mike Evans beat him on a 40 yard touchdown earlier in the season where he was able to sort of lean on him to create that little separation at the top of the route, right? You had the no call on DeAndre Hopkins uh, in that Titans game where Hopkins not being as big as Mike Evans and, and AT Perry, but certainly was very physical in that particular play, right? Now the other touchdown that the, he gave up was a blown coverage on in that Ridley game or in that Jacksonville game to Calvin Ridley, right? And there was a couple other mental errors where they gave up a big play to DJ Moore in week 17 against the Bears where he had his eyes too stuck in the backfield, right? So a couple of mental errors, a couple other big plays that were mental errors. And so, you know, by my account, it's about five sort of explosives that were uh, mental mistakes or, or whatever, blown coverages. And those are things that we can clean up if, if AJ can be a little bit more disciplined under this new regime with hopefully, you know, improved coaching on the secondary level. But the other issues where, you know, Mike Evans and Hopkins and Perry is like, that's kind of been a through line of AJ Terrell throughout his career. We've talked about that a ton on the podcast where like, when you look at the games where he's had his toughest matchups, whether you're talking about Jamar chase in the national championship game or Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, AT Perry, Hopkins, right? It's the physical guys that tend to give AJ Terrell the most problems. He struggles against size and physicality, right? That just may be who he is. And when you look ahead to 2024, this upcoming season, you look at, hey, you circle that matchup against Philadelphia and AJ Brown, where you're like, oh, that could be a problem, right? Maybe it's also a problem against Devontae Adams, George Pickens, Mike Evans, if he's back in Tampa Bay, DK Metcalf, maybe. Well, he did pretty good against DK back in 2022. But it's potentially like you just have to accept the fact that there's going to be three or four games with AJ Terrell where his issues against physicality might be an issue. And to me, when it comes to the decision to pay AJ Terrell, it's like, okay, how much is the quote unquote peace of mind for the other 13 to 14 games where it's a non-issue worth it to you? you know, is that worth $19.5 million a year, which is slightly more than what Trevon Diggs signed this past summer? Is that worth 20 million a year? Is that worth more or less? I can certainly understand why, you know, we can balk at the idea of paying him $22 million a year, which would make him the highest paid corner in the NFL over Jair Alexander, who's making $21 million a year. But to me, you know, having peace of mind for like 80% of your games or more, I got no problem paying, you know, 20, 19, 20, something like that. Your mileage may vary. So I'd love to hear you guys' feedback on sort of where you sort of stack in that when it comes to paying AJ. Would you wait a year? Right? Do, do you let it play out another year and, and then decide? 
AJ's cap hit this year is only $12.3 million. So that's doable. That's not an egregious cap hit, right? You know, there's no pressure for you to have to do an extension to lower that number, which is what, why one of the reasons why you do an extension to lower that cap hit. But, you know, you do wonder if you let that play out, what happens next off season when he's a free agent? Because you have another decision that affects next off season's free agency, which is does Kyle Pitts get a fifth year option, right? And if you let both Terrell play out his year and, and you give that, and you don't do a fifth year option for Kyle Pitts this off season, then they're both going to be free agents next year. And you'll get one franchise tag to go around and you might want to keep both of those guys a year from now. Now, of course, if you give Kyle Pitts the fifth year option, then he signed through the 2025 season. And that mitigates that issue. And I, sitting here today, I think the Falcons will, uh, you know, extend that fifth year option for Kyle Pitts, but it's not as big a slam dunk as it has been in previous years with AJ Terrell and Chris Lynch. where you're like, Oh, they're definitely doing that. There's a little bit of debate, but you know, that will be probably something that we can explore potentially with Josh Kendall next time he's on the podcast. But, you know, we'll leave AJ Terrell's contract situation aside. We'll look at the spot opposite him where we've seen a different starter every single year of AJ Terrell's career. And will we see another one, a new starter in 2024? Will Jeff Okuda return? Is Clark Phillips the guy that can start there? Or do we need to go shopping for somebody else? We'll break that down as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further or ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and escapes. It's the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. And I can attest to this because I drove a Nissan Rogue for my rental card last week in Mobile, Alabama. It's a smooth ride. It's got great features. You know, all those NFL insiders like Tom Pelissero were like commenting on a 12.3 inch HD touchscreen infotainment system where you no longer need your phone to connect with Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play. It's built right in. All right. And of course, you know, those NFL insiders were like, what else does Nissan offer? Well, they got the incredible lineup that includes the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. It's room up to eight. You can fit all the insiders into one expansive cargo capacity, 284 horsepower, all that more. So take the Nissan Rogue, the Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada to give your next big adventure, to go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So before we continue today's Locked On Falcons, I want to plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel, the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel here on YouTube, giving you the biggest stories across the globe from the local experts, as well as the national shows covering every league. And if you're looking for more local flavor, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta, their 24-7 streaming channel. Locked On Sports Today's channel is available on YouTube and Amazon Fire TV. Now, what about the result revolving door? opposite AJ Terrell, right? We need to find a doorstop, right? It started out with Dark Quest Denard in 2020, Fabian Moreau the next year, Casey Hayward in 22. Jeff Akuda was supposed to be that problem solver, that doorstop in 2023. Wasn't necessarily the case, right? Are we going to find that player in 2024? Hopefully the answer to that question is yes. But, you know, you wonder, is that solution currently on the roster? I don't know. 
right? Let, that leads us to a conversation about Jeff Akuda versus Clark Phillips. I, I think Jeff Akuda is more likely to be that guy, but we'll break it down, right? And Akuda had a pretty good first half of the season, right? In terms of being that doorstop, that door jam, whatever you want to call it. You know, unlike Terrell, he wasn't getting giving up explosive plays in the first eight games, right? He only gave up one 20 plus yard play in the first eight games of the season. Then he gave up two in the Vikings game. Then he gave up another one to Trey McBride against Arizona. Then Olave got him after the bye week. Then he gave up three to uh, Gibson and Garrett Wilson against that Jets. And then he got hurt at the end of that Jets game, missed the game, then gave up another explosive play to Jonathan Migo on the game winning drive against the Panthers. Um, and you you heard me say things, you know, at the end of the season, like, I don't get why we benched Jeff Okuda. And like looking back at the numbers, I'm like, oh, I, I get it now. Right. He had a very rough four game stretch in November. And then he got hurt at the beginning of December and basically never bounced back. So Akuda wound up finishing with one less explosive play allowed than AJ Terrell with 10, right? Eight of those coming in the month of November. And when you consider that Akuda overall had 30 less targets than AJ Terrell, you know, it's a pretty stark difference of it was a very bad November. Now, the guy that replaced him after his injury was Clark Phillips. And Clark Phillips didn't give up any explosive plays until the week 18 finale, where he got beat by A.T. Perry and Chris Olave for some explosive plays. Now, can we say because of that, is Clark Phillips less prone to giving explosive plays? Again, it's hard to know, right? He only gave up two in five games. But then again, as I mentioned, Jeff Okuda only gave up one in his first eight games. And would Clark Phillips have given up more had he had a bigger sample size? Who knows? We can only speculate. Now, Phillips, of course, had that signature performance in week 14 where he allowed only um, he allowed no catches on five targets going up against Chris Godwin. But Jeff Okuda had a similar game in week seven against Godwin where he only allowed one two yard catch on four targets. And watching the film, it, it felt like in both of those games, it was less about their lockdown coverage and more about just, you know, some drops and some missed throws. But what did stand out on film watching Clark Phillips was how much better he was in zone coverage than he was than Jeff Okuda was, right? Akuda was more that man match matchup guy, right? Due to his superior size, length, and speed. But Phillips has that discipline and much more comfort playing in the zone. And when you look at success rate allowed in terms of successful plays on targeted throws, Phillips was the best on the team in zone coverage this year. He also had the highest force incompletion rate in zone coverage this year, based off my charting. And what a forced incompletion for me is basically any pass that is an incompletion and the cause of that wasn't deemed to be quarterback or wide receiver error or a, a pass broken up by another defender like a batted ball or something like that. And Phillips had a 16% forced incompletion rate against zone. A.J. Terrell was 15%. Jeff Akuda was way down at six, only in zone. Now, when you factor all plays, man and zone, Terrell led the team with 16%. Phillips was 12%. D. Alford was right behind him at 11%. Richie Grant was 9%, Jeff ba Jesse Bates was 7%, and Akuda was 7%. Now, I think in a zone-heavy scheme, Phillips showed he can be a serviceable, emphasis on serviceable starter. But I think when you play in a scheme that wants to play man coverage, as so many do, you know, that's where Phillips' shortcomings come, right? He had five coverage penalties all coming in man coverage. Now, you can sit there and say, well, A.J. Terrell had six coverage penalties and Akuda had four, so what's the big deal? Well, those guys played a lot more snaps than uh, Clark Phillips did. And so basically Clark Phillips is two times more prone to getting penalized in coverage than either one of those two guys. And then when you just only focus on the man coverage snaps, it's more like three times as more prone than AJ Terrell and eight times more prone to a penalty than Jeff Okuda was. And then there's the tackling with Clark Phillips, right? He struggled there, 
right? He was 15th percentile among cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, in terms of missed tackle rates, 15 being bad, not high. Jeff Okuda, meanwhile, was the opposite, 82nd percentile. He's a very good tackling corner. D. Alford, 42nd percentile, A.J. Terrell, 37th. So below average tacklers, but at least closer to league average than Clark Phillips. And that's one of the things we talked about with Clark Phillips. He has to be better as a tackler if he's going to earn and deserve more playing time. Now, I think the Falcons can do better at that outside cornerback spot. Um, and we'll see what the new scheme wants to do with Raheem Morris and Jimmy Lake coming in here. And they'll probably want to play more zone. The Rams, under the past three years, under Morris calling plays, have been one of these zone-heaviest defenses in the NFL. Although, from what I understand, I haven't really done a deep dive, but I've done some research and read some things. Right, Like the Falcons this past year, a lot of their zone the last couple of years has been more of that zone match coverage, which is, you know, it turns into man coverage when a guy comes into your zone. But the thing I also read about Raheem Morris and his time in the Rams is he's going to adjust his his scheme and his and to his personnel. And a lot of it also had to deal with how the Rams offense played from what I've gathered. Right. We talked about this with Dean Pease, how Dean Pease tended to play a, a bin but don't break defense because the Falcons offense in 20, 2021 and 2022 didn't have the firepower to score a lot of points and they couldn't play from behind. And that has been obviously less of an issue in L.A. these last couple of years given that the Rams offense is often humming. But when the times when they haven't been, from what I understand, they've played less aggressive in terms of that zone match and playing more strictly zone, right? right? They they revert to that bend but don't break style. So how we're going to play on defense may heavily depend on how we perform on offense this year. But I think when we look at these two corners, Akuda and Phillips, I think, have you know their various strengths and weaknesses, and they kind of mismatch, right? But I think because of their different strengths and weaknesses, like you could keep both of those guys around and for specific matchups that you want to play more man against this team or more zone against this team, or this guy, this team has a big receiver like a Mike Evans and you want Akuda out there versus this team has a more smaller, quicker guy. And maybe Clark Phillips is a better matchup there. Right. And so theoretically, both of these guys are worth, you know, sort of revolving door, but ideally you want a guy that, you know, you want, one combined version of that, right? Someone who can marry their skill sets together, right? You want a guy with Clark Phillips' instincts versus zone, someone who has the size and speed to be able to play man and match up like Akuda, someone who's not going to draw flags like Clark Phillips, someone who's going to be able to tackle like Jeff Akuda, right? And I think that player is potentially out there somewhere, you know? And so I would look at Akuda and Phillips as valuable role players, but are either one of them long-term starters? I, I'm skeptical of Clark Phillips. Less skeptical of a Jeff Akuda because I think if you can get Akuda to improve in zone coverage, which again is not guaranteed to happen, but to me, he's going to be much closer to your solution. He checks more of the boxes that you're looking for than Clark Phillips is at this point. And that's what, you know, development is all about, right? You know, we talk about this constantly. Like when you, players develop in the NFL, it's usually they're developing the mental aspects of the game, which is what we're talking about with Jeff Akuda in zone. It's not really the physical aspects that you know, get significantly better in the NFL, right? There's a reason why there aren't that many outside corners in the NFL currently that are five foot nine, 185 pounds with below average four or five speed and T-Rex arms. That is Clark Phillips. Sorry, no offense, Clark, right? To me, you're basically, if you're betting on Clark Phillips to be a starter for you, especially on the outside, you're betting on an outlier. And I personally don't love that bet. And that's kind of been a through line of the Arthur Smith regime is they tend to bet on outliers a lot. Too much, maybe that's part of the positional value arguments against, but at least with like Pitts and Bijan, like you know, you just watch them for five seconds and you're like, Oh, I get it. 
why you're betting on that guy to be an outlier from a positional value standpoint. Even Desmond Ritter being a third round pick. I mean, again, we our bet was, hey, all you got to be is the 19th best quarterback. That's not some awful bet that he couldn't achieve. Right. And as I said, he got like 90% of the way there. Just got to clean up that 10%. But like, this is why, like, I'm a quote unquote Clark Phillips hater. Right. Cause I just don't see what the, like developing Clark Phillips into that outlier to me is not really an ideal goal for me in terms of my vision for the future of this defense. Right. To me, what, it, what would be a worthwhile goal is if you could have Clark Phillips pushing D all for next season and he could turn into a really good nickel cornerback. There's plenty of guys that look and play like Clark Phillips that have been successful nickel cornerbacks in a zone heavy scheme. Like we think the Falcons might be employing talked about this when we drafted Kenny Moore and Brian Poole were some of the comparisons I made, right? Those guys have been successful players in the NFL and played, you know, five to seven years in the league. Kenny Moore was a pro bowler. So like that to me is my vision for Clark Phillips, not as an outside corner. So, I don't think the solution at cornerback, at least the long-term one, is on the team right now, right? I think Akuda is maybe, you know, a guy that you can bring back on a prove-it deal. We'll, we'll break that down, right? We'll also talk about some alternative options, right? Or is free agency or the draft the place where the Falcons can attack in order to get that potential upgrade at that uh, cornerback spot and, and get that sort of doorstop to, to prevent that door from revolving moving forward? And we'll break that down. As we continue today's Lockdown Falcons. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right. No cap on a 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info, claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% match on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So wrapping up today's Lockdown Falcons, and if you continue to make us your first listen tomorrow, we'll probably be talking quite a bit about the safety position, as well as any other pressing stories that may come up for the Atlanta Falcons. But let's talk about what's next for the Falcons in 2024. Now, as I mentioned, I think Alford and Phillips competing for that nickel cornerback spot in training camp. Hopefully, you know, one of those two guys emerges and um, as we've seen with D. Alford, uh, you know, he offers some special teams value. If he were to happen to lose that spot, that wouldn't necessarily be the case with Clark Phillips. So he would be go back to what we saw for most of this past year 
potentially be inactive unless he can improve that tackling and become, uh, you know, a contributor on special teams. Now, the outside cornerback spot, you know, Jeff Okuda, Trey Flowers are both free agents this offseason. Do they return? Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. Now, you know, maybe the new regime is going to be higher on Jeff Okuda than the old regime seemed to be at the end of the year, given all the explosive plays he gave up, right? If it was me, I would be like, hey, you know, I resigned Jeff Okuda on a one-year prove-it deal, right? He's not currently listed among PFF's top 150 uh, free agent rankings, so we don't have a clear-cut projection on what his contract would look like that would be. But the lowest cornerback on their top 150 free agent rankings is Sean Murphy Bunting at 149, and his projected contract is a one-year, $4 million deal. So I'm thinking something in that range, like a, a CUDA contract is a one-year, maybe three, four, five million million, right? That makes sense to me. You know, I think Trey Flowers is worth bringing back, is a depth guy that can cover tight ends when we play dime defense. The Falcons refused to do that all year long, trusting in Richie Grant. We'll talk more about that probably tomorrow on how effective that was. Um, but at least with Flowers, he's a good special teamer, a very good gunner on punt team. So, you know, resign him on a one-year veteran minimum contract. There's value in that. Now, Mike Hughes, on the other hand, uh, you know, he is under contract for next year. But, you know, I know Jerry Gray loves him, but I would cut him in order to free up $3 million in cap space. His cap hit a $3.85 million in 2024. You know, that that seems too much for to be the basically the fifth best cornerback on the on the roster. Now, if you were giving Jeff Akuda a similar amount of money, a $3.85 million, like at least that makes sense to me because at least theoretically Jeff Akuda has the potential to be the second best corner on your roster if you can clean up some things. So, you know, if we're going to pay anybody $4 million next year, I would rather be Jeff Akuda, not Mike Hughes, is basically what I'm saying. So, you know, I, I think I'm open to bringing some of these guys back, not all of them, but I do think you need to add at the cornerback position this offseason. Now, I haven't done my in-depth research on, on this year's free agent class. I, I'm just looking at a couple of guys that have connections to Raheem Morris and Jimmy Lake, right? You know, do you bring in Akello Witherspoon, who started for the Rams this past year? He's a free agent. Troy Hill's a free agent, who started for the Rams in 2022, right? You know, didn't didn't see any Washington guys that were corners. Miles Bryant's out there, free agent, but he's more of a nickel guy. And I think you, you have that issue settled with Alford and Phillips. But when you look at the quarterback class, like the top two guys are Jalen Johnson of the Bears and Legarius Sneed of the Chiefs. PFF is projecting Johnson to get franchise tagged. And, you know, I don't know if Sneed's going to leave Kansas City. Um, but, you know, th those are really the only two guys that you look at and like, oh, I'll pay that guy. They're on the right side of 30. You know, we can pay them and be a two or three year solution. But may maybe some other players become available as this thing unfolds. And we when we get closer to March and Hopefully I've done more research on this upcoming cornerback class. We'll have a better feel of, you know, what that market's going to look like. And maybe there will be more options than those two guys. So, you know, if the options are going to be limited in free agency, that does leave the door open to address it in the draft, right? You know, we saw the Rams this past year willing to bet on day three corners. Darian Kendrick was the starter opposite Witherspoon this past year. He was a six round pick. Their nickels. Uh, spot was split between two day three guys and Kobe Durant and Quentin Lake, fourth and sixth round picks respectively. Um, now you wonder, you know, is that out of necessity because the Rams haven't had, you know, a bunch of draft assets to invest and they have to rely on fourth and sixth round picks to start for them at cornerback? Probably that probably has something to do with it, right? At least a little bit, right? But you do wonder if that the fact that they were able to get decent results there 
does that embolden a Raheem Morris and a Jimmy Lake to say like, yeah, we can, we can make it work, right? We can make it work with a day three guy if that's the case. And they may be forced to do that, right? Because we've talked about a lot of these position groups so far, and we've talked about, you know, reserving those early round picks for the biggest needs in terms of quarterback, edge rusher, wide receiver, right? We've talked about, Hey, maybe they should invest, you know, a third or fourth round pick in an offensive tackle or D tackle, right? Because we need to start preparing for life after Grady Jarrett and, and Jake Matthews sooner versus later. So maybe that leaves the cornerback position in terms of its priority. Well, you know, Maybe that has to wait till the fifth round because you just don't have as much assets as you need. So to me, that's the scenario that I'm kind of sitting here again, nothing written in ink, but sort of penciling in that that seems like the most likely path that the Falcons go down. And to me, that's a path that prompts the team to, to bring back an Akuda on a one-year prove it deal or bring in a similar player on a one-year sort of prove it deal. And so it doesn't feel like this is the off season that's setting up for the Falcons to find that long-term solution because they're not going to be able to invest that premium pick or not, not to say they won't be able to, but it doesn't seem likely that that's going to be a priority this off season to invest that premium pick into a corner. Unless they, you know, really resolve a lot of these again, you know, they go and and find a veteran quarterback and, you know, spend money in free agency on a pass rush. Okay. Maybe we can actually have a conversation about potentially using one of those early round picks on a corner. But until that happens, Right now, it does seem like we'll have to settle for day three and, and another sort of revolving door piece, another stopgap option at that cornerback position. So it doesn't seem like this is the offseason that's set up for the Falcons to find that doorstop, that long-term solution opposite A.J. Terrell. We'll see if they wind up paying A.J. Terrell. That's going to be a big question. So we still have a lot of unanswered questions at this cornerback position. I think we have enough pieces between, you know, Akuda, Terrell, Phillips, Alford, flowers and, and throw in another body in you know a draft pick or another free agent there and you should be good to go at corner at least to get through another season and hope that maybe Jeff Akuda develops and maybe Alford Phillips take another leap and see where you're at in 2025 and maybe you're in a better position then right who knows we'll see but um curious to hear what you guys think at the cornerback position is this a position that's a priority for you I know this has been a position that many people for the last couple of offseason have desired the Falcons to invest a premium draft pick in. Are you still of that mindset or are you in the let's punt it till next year and then we'll see, uh, which is basically what I'm telling you I'm at at this point. So love to hear your feedback, comment here on YouTube. Of course, hit me up in the Lockdown Falcons Discord uh, link in the description below. You can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. As a way to provide feedback, or you could join, uh, become a Locked On Falcons insider at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Falcons, link in the description below. Uh, and I think we're going to do an all, another All-22 review of quarterback. Two weeks ago, we did Michael Penix ahead of the Senior Bowl. I'm thinking about doing Spencer Rattler this week. We'll see. Maybe Bo Nix. Yeah, we'll see. So we'll get to the the big names a little bit later. That's probably... Next week, we we'll, might get into Caleb Williams or Drake Bay or Jaden Daniels. So become an insider, and you'll be able to get access to that as well as access to all the All-22 reviews, extended All-22 reviews I did during the season, as well as get that one-on-one feedback, a you know, priority for upcoming Q&As. You know, we do a lot of those in the offseason. It's a great place uh, to submit your questions there, or you just want to vent a little bit about the Falcons or ask me more you know, details. You want some of my other stats for these cornerbacks uh, that I did not share on these episodes. So. All that's available for you 
by becoming a Lockdown Falcons insider. The link in the description below. But, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Check out Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Chiefs, Lockdown 49ers, Lockdown Sports Today, Lockdown Sports Atlanta, 24-7 streaming uh, channels here on YouTube, as well as Amazon Fire TV. It's all part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.